Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is picking music for worship. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so music. This is my favorite part because <laughs> I like to sing the four-part harmonies that typically uh, come with being a Lutheran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So where do you start? How many hymns do you usually have to pick? It depends on the congregation. Yeah? And it depends on the service and it depends on the setting. Wait, how does it depend on the congregation? Do some like to sing and some don't? Is some sing more liturgy, some sing more hymns. Okay. Some have services that are more music oriented and some have services that are more word oriented. So it changes by congregation. Fascinating. There's just so much more music and so many more harmonies in the Lutheran services that I've been to versus the Catholic ones that I remember Uh growing up where you (laughs) maybe had somebody singing one part only that I just associate Lutherans with music. Well, and it also really varies by how high church you want to go and how casual you want to go. So some congregations really lean into a whole bunch of different liturgy pieces and some congregations just kind of want the hymns there. Okay. And so in the congregations that I've served, they have all chosen their music differently. There has been a different pattern and a different preference for liturgy or the lack of liturgy. Mm -hmm. And it purely depends upon the congregation and the service itself. Okay. So for the non-Lutherans who may be listening to this or the people who just aren't familiar with the terms, what is the difference between the hymns and the liturgy? Great question. The liturgical setting are the music and the prayers that hold the structure of the service by season. Okay. Or by event of the day. And the hymns change out every Sunday. Okay. So typically for the hymns, you'll have a gathering hymn, an ascending hymn, you'll have a hymn of the day, and then you may have communion hymns. Sure. If you have a liturgy, if you have a congregation that really loves to sing, and maybe they're pretty high church and they want to have all the liturgy and all the music... Then you're going to have a Kyrie at the beginning, and you might have a Gloria at the beginning, and you're going to have an Alleluia verse before the gospel, and you're going to have what is called the Sursum Corda, right, as part of the getting ready for communion. Okay. And you'll have a Holy, Holy, Holy. You might have a Nunc Dimittis. You might have—it just keeps on going. Sure. (laughs) And those pieces are all— liturgical music. So in our hymnals, the way that you can kind of tell what the difference is, the liturgical music is the music that is at the beginning of the hymnal with the small numbers on the pages at the bottom of the pages, like a regular book have. Okay. And they're called settings. So ELW setting three, right? So the evangelical Lutheran worship setting three, and you've got the different kinds of music that go in there. The hymns are the songs towards the back of the hymnal that have the big numbers over the top of them. And so those different pieces, you kind of, when you're designing your worship service, you ponder through how the flavors of all the music work together. 
What liturgy are you choosing? What season is it? What works well for your congregation and your musicians? And what kind of a feel are you wanting for your service for that day? And you build it all together and make it all work. That's amazing. There's a lot more music than I would have thought about if I hadn't sat down to actually (laughs) ask these questions. (laughs) And it can change. It's adiaphora, right? We talked about that word a long time ago, which means the things that don't save us. They're important, but they aren't salvific. And so we can change whether or not we have an alleluia verse before the gospel or not. We can change whether or not we have a post-communion canticle. Those are all pieces that can come in and out of the service like puzzle pieces and aren't required but can be lovely depending upon the season or the service or what you're trying to highlight. But it's not going to make the service more religious or less religious all in of itself. No, not in and of itself. And it really just changes the feel. If you think about a movie and how a soundtrack can come into a movie Mm -hmm. and really enhance certain moments and like you know that the villain has entered the room because you hear the dun-dun-dun kind of music, right? When we add music into the worship service, we know that we are entering into certain parts of our worship. We know how our hearts respond to singing hallelujah or singing, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life in a minor key, right? So you can shift the timbre. You can hold the space in a different way based on how you use the music to set the scene. Just like creating a score for a movie or a show or something like that. Sure. How often do you change up the liturgy? Usually it's by season. Many congregations do it in big seasonal chunks or a month at a time. My internship congregation, who they were, and I don't know if they still are like this, but who they were when I was on my internship, they would never repeat a liturgy two weeks in a row. That sounds hard, especially (laughs) if you're not a very good sight reader. Right. But it meant that they had like six or seven liturgies that the community knew well. Oh, sure. And they would just rotate them. So it's not that they were constantly having to find something new. It was just that they always had a different setting each week among those six or seven that they knew really well. Man, I'm such a creature of habit that when they went from the green book to the red book, I was like, oh, (laughs) but I like that one. I don't want to change. It's too hard. And we brought some of the green book forward into the cranberry hymnal, Mm -hmm. but it definitely is a shift. And there's argument. Like, again, it really matters on your congregation and who your people are. And it matters who your musicians are, too. Oh, absolutely. Right. They may not want to be changing constantly. They may like having some consistency for a little while, but... What I have found in most congregations that I have served is that we do well to have the same liturgy through a season. Mm -hmm. So Easter is seven weeks. We will have the same liturgy setting for seven weeks. The hymns will change out. The liturgical setting remains the same for seven weeks. We get to Advent. We have four weeks of Advent. We will have the same liturgical setting. It also helps to kind of set those seasons together. Sure. And we can understand the church calendar year. It's a very subtle way to be able to offer 
that church calendar year without being like, okay, everybody, we are now in the season after Pentecost, and therefore, you know, it's ordinary time. So we're going to have a real boring liturgy, so you know it's ordinary time. (laughs) Sure. Is that the longest season then? Yes, it goes forever. (laughs) Do you change it up in the middle of it just because it goes on forever? Depending upon what the musician wants. I'm like, even the musician gets bored after a while. (laughs) Sure. So normally for the season after Pentecost, which is what's coming up next, we have Pentecost in another week or two. And then this season will run all the way through until November, Mm -hmm. until we get to Advent. So normally what ends up happening is you'll have like something for the summer months and then something for the fall And maybe you'll have some festival services for Reformation Sunday and All Saints Sunday so that it breaks it up a little bit and brings some, brings a little bit more pizzazz to it. Now, how much of this is you picking stuff versus either the music director or the organist or the musicians that you might have? It depends on the congregation. Again, it's fully reliant upon the different kind of communities. So in my first call, I ended up being the one who, for most of the years I was there, chose all of the music, the liturgies and the hymns. And in my second call, it was kind of a collaboration of the two called pastors and the accompanist Mm -hmm. who worked together. The accompanist would be able to say, here's what I can offer. Here's what I can play. Here's my abilities. Right. Totally. Mm -hmm. In this call, It is different when Janice was with us as our music director and when Martin was with us as a music director, it kind of changed different ways. Right now with Ginny as our interim steward of music ministries, she's doing a lot of the choosing of the liturgy pieces based on what brings her joy. Sure. How has the pandemic and the Zoom aspect of all this changed how you pick music? Do you pick different things? Do you pick more familiar hymns? We haven't. It has actually, you know, shifted primarily because of staffing sure. for us. And also we're very excited that there's been a new hymnal that has been released within this time. Oh, really? There's a new hymnal supplement. And so All Creation Sings is our new hymnal supplement. And we have been incorporating quite a bit of the new music out of that hymnal recently. So Part of it is the language is really great in some of these hymns, and part of it is just something new in the midst of this time. But there's nothing wrong with doing familiar. I think mm-hmm. one thing we really ought to consider is like, at some point, we ought to do a recording of Amazing Grace. Sure. And we ought to do a recording of Beautiful Savior. Oh, like, sure. It makes sense. <laughs> right? And have those on hand. Especially now. Because you don't have to worry about people having books because I didn't even know there was a new hymnal or at least a supplement. Do you go back and pick stuff from older hymnals or do you still pick more current things? Typically, we pick more current things. Again, it depends on your congregation. So in my second call, or actually first call, before the Cranberry Hymnal was released, Mm -hmm. I would pick music typically from five different hymnals every week. Wow. And part of that was simply because we didn't have a resource that had hymnody with inclusive theology or inclusive language, those kinds of pieces that was super readily accessible. 
And so we would choose from with one voice and an LBW hymn and something from gather comprehensive and something, right? Like we were just Mm -hmm. piecemealing it. The Cranberry hymnal really does kind of pull together a lot of the kind of the best of the best. Okay. For congregations that don't use contemporary music. Now there's a whole other side that I haven't really dabbled in since first call, which is contemporary Christian music. And that is its whole other grouping because that's not in hymnals. You find it in other ways. Our congregation currently, our setting doesn't really use the contemporary Christian music, Mm -hmm. the praise and worship music. It's not what resonates among our people. Although I got to say, I wouldn't mind singing Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, one Sunday. (laughs) I'll be waiting for it just in case it comes up. Do you worry about things that are hard to sing, either that they're super high or have a too interesting of a time signature or something like that? Totally. I actually, in my hymnal, which is super beat up because I use it so much, I have marked in there, not for opening hymn. Oh, okay. Right? Like I'll mark something to say, okay for hymn of the day or sending hymn, but you don't want to have something too high as the opening hymn when people haven't warmed up yet. Sure. And so I have notes exactly like that to be able to say, this has a good melodic structure, but you'll need a good leader for the first verse. People will get it by verse two or familiar style movement in the tune. They'll be able to pick it up quickly. Great for hymn of the day. I'll write notes like that throughout my hymnal so that I have those little nudges to remember how to well utilize the piece and set people up for success. The cantor is a role that I have long admired and been never, ever wanting to do it myself (laughs) because it seems so bold to get up there and lead the singing for something Mm -hmm. like that. And I would be deathly afraid that you would have picked something that I could not hit (laughs) some of the notes one way or another. I try to keep that in mind, depending upon who's going to be leading music. And again, it depends on congregation. In my first call, they wanted me as the pastor to have my microphone on during the singing. Wow. But in my second call, when we were recording and using it for the radio, they wanted the sound of the congregational voice. So they wanted my microphone off for the hymnody, right? Like it really depends. Mm -hmm. Each congregation is going to do it a little bit different. Mm Mm-hmm. So for this congregation, how many hymns do you typically pick for any given week? It really depends on the congregation as to how many hymns are used each week. I would say this congregation likes to do announcements. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The announcements for for Central are usually maybe as long as the sermon. Maybe a little bit shy of that, but for announcements, they're really long. And so when I think of the whole service, I try to balance enough time for people to not be anxious when the announcements continue to go. Okay. Because the sending portion of our service at Central is as robust as the gathering, as the word, as the meal. Okay. Because people are going out and doing things and living their faith in the world. And so it takes time. And that means that I might pull a hymn. Okay. And that's okay. So right now, I think, especially on Zoom worship... If we have a holy, holy, holy or a Kyrie, I might pull the gathering hymn. Okay. And not have a gathering hymn or the reverse. 
pull the Holy, Holy, Holy or the Kyrie for the week and have a gathering hymn instead. But I won't do both because it starts to feel really long. Mm -hmm. So especially lately, we have been trying to, at Central, do more representation in terms of music. Yes. It's something that seems to be important to the congregation. It's something that seems to be important to expand horizons and where music comes from and what it means. Mm -hmm. But I have a question for you about cultural appropriation and how do you pick hymns knowing that you want to represent them, but without feeling like you're appropriating them? It is such a fine line and it's really hard and we're going to get it wrong. Okay. I'm going to put it there to start. And one of the things that I have so appreciated has been this idea of reparations, musical reparations. And to say that using some of this and getting this music into our knowing is a way to engage in some reparations, into cultural reparations. Mm -hmm. And to encounter the music not as consumers of the music, but as appreciating the music, understanding its roots more. Mm -hmm. And so we have been trying to lift up the music with a little bit of the background to it, Mm -hmm. with some explanation as to why this tune matters or why the words of this matter or how African-American spirituals are not just wade in the water, is not just a, a way to talk about how you should long for the promised land, but wading in the water is a way to remove the scent so that when dogs were sent in order to hunt slaves who were escaping, this was a way to remind them to go through waterways in order to remove their scent from being tracked. Mm -hmm. And learning that information and understanding that information can broaden our experience of the worship with that song. And we're going to get it wrong and we're not going to do it completely right. And we need to try. Yeah. It's interesting from the perspective of the person in the pew singing that there's a lot of times where I look at where this hymn has come from and I'm not entirely comfortable singing an African-American spiritual because I'm not sure that I should, if that makes any Mm -hmm. sense. It's part of our journey of confronting white supremacy and confronting the ways in which racism is embedded within our culture. And to be able to learn how to encounter the music and learn how to appreciate it without commodifying it, without Mm -hmm. consuming it, right? It's hard. Well, and how that changes in terms of when you're singing a contemporary hymn that comes from Africa, knowing that there is a huge ELCA presence there. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have quite the same baggage. And yet I'm still not quite comfortable singing it because I still know it's not my tradition. Mm -hmm. And we will never have an opportunity to become a multicultural church. If we don't embrace some of this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And again, we're going to get it wrong. (laughs) And that's okay. I think one of the most beautifully challenging things is the phrase that I've heard, white discomfort is not worth protecting. Mm -hmm. We're going to be uncomfortable. But if we never use music from other cultures, if we only stick to German or Swedish or Finnish tunes, 
there is a reason the ELCA is the whitest denomination in our country. Yeah, you're not moving forward with that either. Mm -mm. So it's time to be uncomfortable and to find ways to do it respectfully. Absolutely. And that's the hard balance, the super hard balance. I have very much appreciated what Ginny, as the current person helping with music, has done to broaden the music that has come to us. And Mm -hmm. it has been really wonderful. And we've had that in the past. Janice was very careful about and very intentional about bringing Hispanic and world music in. Mm -hmm. Martin had done a fantastic job of working with Marianne Kim, an Asian writer, to be able to bring music in in that way. So this is still a part and parcel of who Central has been through the years. It is. We're being louder about it right now. We are. And the beauty of the Zoom is that you can take a moment and explain some of this stuff in a way that we wouldn't have done. And I don't remember we had done in the past. It was, yeah. may have been in the bulletin, but it wasn't specifically called out. Totally. Totally. All right. All of this is going to lead me to my last question. Do you take requests? <laughs> yes. Okay. I actually, there have been a couple of different times through my ministry and all of my calls where I have asked people what their favorite hymn is and have incorporated that very intentionally. Absolutely. We take requests. Okay. One addendum to this question, and Uh you, you don't have to name any names. Are there songs that you refuse to put out there if you can at all avoid them? Yes. (laughs) Oh, you are human. I love it. And I will say that currently there is one particular musician that across much of the contemporary denominational churches, mainline denominationals, that his music has been very well loved for a very long time. I've used his music in my ordination and in my installations. And some of his hymns are some of have been in the past some of my very favorite hymns. And he is currently um, his music is not being played out of respect for individuals who have been harmed. And so that kind of thing is a part and parcel of how we choose our music. We take those kinds of pieces into consideration as well. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's super hard. And it's important that we continue to find ways for our music to enhance, to lift up, and to encourage, and that we can use it to learn from. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about picky music. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for listening along. You are always welcome to listen to what our musical choices are by coming and joining us on any Sunday morning. We are currently continuing to worship online here in May of 2021. And so you can join us online at 1015 on Sunday mornings. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.